to the extent that is the American Bar Association Business Law Section's podcast series. Our podcasts provide general information. They aren't a substitute for legal advice from a licensed professional. We offer both standalone and serial podcasts on a variety of topics and welcome your feedback and suggestions at ababusinesslaw.americanbar.org. We hope you enjoy your selection. This is Rick Paschkin. I am the content guy for the ABA's business law section and welcome you to our section's podcast platform to the extent that. Today's series is business law section leadership. And today's episode is called, You Got This, Making Your Own Path to Leadership. Our host is Judge Elizabeth Stong. Judge Stong is a US bankruptcy judge for the Eastern District of New York. Previously, she was a litigation partner at Wilkie, Farr and Gallagher. Judge Stong is co-chair of the Business Law Section's Leadership Development Committee. And Judge Stong, I will give you the honors to introduce our guest today. Rick, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for taking the time to uh, be with us today, whether it's this morning, this afternoon, or, or this evening, wherever you are, uh, for you got this, making your own path to leadership. I am, uh, as Rick mentioned, the co-chair of the Leadership Development Committee in our fantastic business law section. And it is my enormous pleasure in that role to work with many of our committee chairs. Uh, through that process, I've gotten to know our rock star guest speaker for today's edition uh, of our podcast, Natasha Sim. And I can't wait for you to get to know her as well. Natasha is the Community Development Financial Institution Program Manager at the National Community Reinvestment Coalition in Washington, D.C. And important for these purposes, again, as Rick mentioned, she is also the chair of the uh, ABA Business Law Section's Community Economic Development Committee. She has a wonderful story to tell about both how she got to her position at NCRC and to her position in the Business Law Section. And I am eager for you to hear it from her. So. Um, and, and of course, again, our title and our theme is You've Got This, Making Your Own Path. Uh, Natasha, tell us a little bit about your path, uh, first to your job and then to your committee leadership position. Tell us about you. Hi, Judge Song. I am so happy to be here. And thank you again for this opportunity. I I do have a, a slightly different background. So I originally grew up in New Zealand. I lived there most of my life and I moved uh, I moved to, of all places, upstate New York when I was around 17 and I went there for college, decided that the rural life was not a good fit for me and immediately packed up from there and moved to Washington, D.C. for law school. And I I really enjoyed law school. I went to GW, which is a great place to go. And from there, I realized that I wanted to work in something related to finance, definitely on the more regulatory policy side. And DC was a perfect place to be for that. I had some amazing experiences working at a variety of policy places in DC. Uh, But ultimately, because I I am an immigrant, because I do have that additional visa process to go through, I found myself in of all places in the middle of COVID, in the middle of 
all the hiring freezes and with about three weeks left on my visa. And I had not uh, managed to secure a, a longer term visa at that point. And so I, I was very much ready to go back to New Zealand to pack up my bags. And uh, through some complete miracle, I managed to uh, connect with one of my my good friends and mentors, Kara Ward from Holland and Knight. And she very fortunately connected me with this wonderful organization and CRC where obviously I'm now working. And uh, they they took a chance on me. They took a chance on someone that they barely knew uh, who was who was in a really tight bind, um, but very much had had a passion for the type of work they do, which is uh, finance, but specifically um, the, the economic justice side of finance. And so I was very fortunate to not only be able to remain in the country, but also have this uh, amazing position at their they're growing CDFI, um, meaning Community Development Financial Institution, uh, which in a lot of ways, I, I call it a, a bank, but a bank that focuses specifically on improving communities, that focuses on re-energizing underserved communities, particularly communities of color. And that is just such a great place to be, especially right now. A lot of small businesses are still um, coming out of, of the, the horrors of, of COVID. And I've had the great opportunity there to, to work directly with a lot of these small businesses and help them um, financially. But also another part of my job is housing, uh, which is also very closely related to, to finance and economic justice. And I've done great work in helping uh, with financial policy, working um, on creating fair lending practices and it's just been it's been an incredible opportunity thus far so i'm i'm glad to i'm glad to be here i'm glad to have um this this incredible job which gives me the opportunity to give back and i'm i'm ultimately very glad that my visa worked out and i'm still in the country so you got this you got what sounds like pretty much, especially at this stage in your career, your dream job where you can uh, combine your interest in finance and your interest in business law and your training in those areas with your passion for, frankly, making a difference and making a difference at a time when we really need as many people and as many organizations to be thinking about making a difference as possible. And all because it sounds like you had kind of a situation on your hands and you reached out or maybe she reached out to you to a mentor. Uh, tell us about what it was like to talk to people about being in that sort of a situation and not being afraid to say, uh, you know, maybe I, I need your ideas. I need your help. I need your thoughts. Um, was that an easy thing to do or a hard thing to do? That's it. That's a great question um, because it's something that I, I've, I've spoken about a lot um, thus far, only with my my intimate close group of friends. But definitely, um, it was definitely a struggle to go through go through the the job search process, which in itself is always a stressful process. But then to go through that with the added challenge of having to explain uh, this this visa process, which which understandably for for a lot of businesses immediately throws up a. Uh, 
red flags in terms of, of the time involved with sponsoring a visa, the cost involved and, and all of those considerations. Um, so it was, it was scary. It was scary. And it definitely, um, created a lot of vulnerability in, in a lot of my initial meetings with people, which, which is, it, it's an intimidating position to be in. It's a, a stressful position to be in, but ultimately all of that said, it made me a stronger person. And it also, I think, made me a better communicator and a more relatable person that people want to talk to. Because what I've realized is that although people might initially be taken back, taken aback by that a show of vulnerability so early on, people are, are ready to engage and ready to share their own stories of vulnerability, which everyone I've learned has, even the people that, that from the outside seem the most successful, uh, such as yourself, such as partners at major law firms, uh, CEOs at um, nonprofit organizations, everyone has a story to tell. And sometimes it just takes sharing your own story and sharing your own struggle uh, for other people to open up about theirs. And so ultimately, although it was a very stressful process to be in having to explain that, it created all of these wonderful relationships that I, I still treasure now, even though my visa situation um, isn't the same. And ultimately, uh, it, it, it's just it's created a better communicator in me, which is always important. Well, it's it's a wonderful story and a great example of how sometimes when things can look absolutely the worst, the most intractable, um, and 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 again in a pandemic, uh, you never know where things will lead. There's something about showing up. There's something about communicating. There's something about appreciating that it really is okay to, I guess, as we used to say, phone a friend, reach out. Um, how has this made you think about? your colleagues at um, at NCRC, and have you ever been on the other end? Or have you yet had the chance to be on the other end of that kind of communication where someone needs help and they've done you, they've paid you the compliment of asking if you can be that person for them? How do you think about that? Well, I definitely, I think that's, that's a great question. I haven't, I haven't yet been on the other side of, of my, my particular immigration situation, but definitely every day in my job, because we work with underserved communities, I'm, I'm constantly faced with uh, businesses and, and just individuals who are looking for help. And, and I definitely try to draw as much as I can from my own personal experiences by, by lending an empathetic ear and understanding that, that things are not always as simple as they seem, maybe just based on financials, for instance, sometimes a business's financials will not suggest that that business is, is maybe the most ready for a loan. But then when you talk to the, the person behind the business, behind the financials, you'll hear stories such as how, how business was booming until COVID happened. And then once COVID happened, they, they had no idea what to do because their business was a very, um, client facing business and then you you get this completely different picture you don't you don't get a business that that is not going anywhere you get a business that was thriving but then had it had this giant hurdle thrown its way by covid and um 
it's obviously it's very different to to my particular immigration situation, but it's the same in that when you when you get to know someone, when you really take that time to understand their situation and their story, you can glean this whole other insight that that doesn't appear on on the surface. And and so I I definitely um, I definitely every day. Um, try to help people as much as I can by, by just going underneath that surface and getting to know them as people. You know, it's such a great uh, time to be thinking in those ways because it is tempting to look at uh, some of the things that businesses, we certainly see this here in the bankruptcy court, that businesses are confronting, that families are confronting, that, that the biggest businesses in the, uh, in the country, in the world are confronting and and maybe there's some way that that situation actually strengthens them as a business. We see many many examples of business who come into a restructuring and they're you know they're better off. They need to be better off when they leave. Um, and usually calling on other resources is part of it. Whether they're you know in a business kind of a restructuring way, thinking about your financial work, um, you know, or really more interpersonal, or, or maybe even a combination of both. Um, tell us a little bit how the business law section came your way and. Uh, what your path has been there. So I got involved with the business law section when I was still in law school. I um, I was taking a banking law class and I, I, I learned that the AVA had a very active um, banking law committee in its business law section. And so I thought that would be a great chance to get a more practical, uh, real world perspective on the um, topics that I was learning in class. And so I, um, I managed to, to secure a, a ticket for, for that, that year's um that year's uh, annual meeting. And I, I was one of very few law students there. I think there probably were only about three or four other law students I came across, but it was such a wonderful opportunity to, to be a law student there because I found so many uh, much more experienced practitioners were, were so excited to, to find someone who was passionate about their subject area, passionate about learning more about their backgrounds. And everyone was so welcoming and so accommodating. And I knew that this was absolutely a community that I wanted to get involved in. And I, I stayed involved. Uh, so when, when I ended up learning more about another aspect of finance, consumer finance, I again turned to the ABA uh, to, to get that practical perspective. And I got involved with the uh, Consumer Financial Services Committee, um, where again, I met some wonderful people and they ultimately, uh, from the first meeting, they ultimately took it upon themselves to, to help me figure out where I wanted to land, to create those connections that I needed to get to that place, to um, to mentor me, but also to sponsor me. And, and I was just amazed at, at how far they were willing to go based on how little they knew about me. And, and once again, it was just a confirmation that the ABA, the business law section in particular, was a great place to be. And, and ultimately I landed in my current position as chair of the uh, community um, economic development committee, because when I um, started my new role at NCRC, I knew that um, I knew that I wanted to get involved with community development because that 
obviously has a lot of uh, synergies with my work. And it just happened um, that the, the chair at the time was departing. And so she asked me if I would be interested in taking over her role. And I'll admit, at first, I was incredibly intimidated. And my initial inclination was, was no, not I'm not ready to take on that role. I'm so early on in my career. Absolutely not. But I, I talked to... Um, so I talked to some some leadership and other committees I've been involved in, and they encouraged me to go for it um, by emphasizing that that even though I was early on in my career, a lot of times they'd found that younger lawyers had a lot of unique insights to contribute um, that that more experienced senior lawyers didn't have. And and so I I decided I was going to take that leap. I was going to um, take on the role of chair, and it has been a a wild ride thus far. Um, I've had the opportunity to start building out a leadership committee, which is something I've, I've never done before. I've, I've also um, started developing programming, which is also a, a new skill for me. And it's been, it's been just such a great experience. It's been a, a, a steep learning curve, but it's been such a great way to enrich my life and to create an opportunity outside of work to be creative, to meet people, and and to really to throw myself out of my comfort zone, which is always something that I've really tried to do as much as I can. And so I, I would absolutely uh, recommend it to anyone jumping into a leadership position, even if you're, you're not feeling ready because you're too early on, you're you're too um, unfamiliar with leadership, just dive right in and think about the rest later is, is my, my two cents. And making your own path to leadership, what a great story that is. Of course, the first two committees that you've referred to are some of the largest, longest established, most elaborate leadership structures uh, committees in, in the section, banking law and consumer financial services, uh, huge committees with, with a lot of history. Uh, your committee is um, is a newer committee, not not quite as big, but so important in its subject matter to the section. How do you think about what you can learn from leadership that you saw in other settings and apply as as now the leader, the chair of um, of your own committee? I, I think there's two main takeaways that that I have from those committees, and and the first one is is um, when building out your your leadership team, when building out your team, and I think this is applicable to the ABA or or even in corporate settings. It's so important, the people that you pick and definitely quality over quantity. I think that the people that you choose to, to have around you are, are so important in, in ultimately um, achieving the mission that, that you foresee for your, for your committee or organization. But also they, they just add all of these perspectives and all of these insights that, that you on your own wouldn't think of. And, and they make it much more fun. They make it um, an enjoyable experience when you might be bogged down with thinking about the budget for your upcoming program, or you might be feeling um, somewhat dejected about how, how your committee is, is 
comparing to other committees, which might be larger, might be doing more things. It definitely um, is, is great in those times to have uh, people around you who are in the same boat and are all working um, to, to build this together. And so definitely, I think, I think making sure that you have the right people around you, even if it takes a bit longer, is so important. And then the other thing is, um, like I mentioned, having fun. So I, I definitely um, going to the Consumer Financial Services Committee, I definitely have seen that the importance of, of levity and, and just um, making things lighter cannot be understated. So one of my favorite events that they <coughs> offer is Beer and Basics, where you're learning about the law, you're learning about the principles behind consumer finance, but you're doing it in an engaging way. You're, you're drinking, you're you're having fun. Um, you're meeting other people. You're you're having a, um, a cocktail or or a beer, and you are not taking yourself too seriously, um, which is something that I think certainly with such a high stress profession is always important. It's always important to be able to um, detach yourself and, and to be able to, to just en enjoy yourself and en enjoy events that you're going to. So that's definitely a lesson that, that I take from my own committee to, um, to have a lot of professional, professional skills development events, but but to do them in a way um, which is engaging, which is fun, and which doesn't feel like work. It's a fantastic example. Um, I have uh, seen that event myself and wondered, my gosh, what are they possibly discussing that's so much fun? You can hear it from down the hall. Um, you can take your work and the substance of the things you're thinking about very seriously indeed. And it's doesn't mean you need to take yourself um, all so seriously. I got that advice years ago when I started practice in New York City, and I have to tell you, it was good advice then, and it's good advice now. And speaking of advice, um, is there one piece or maybe a couple pieces of advice you got, whether there were whether it was good advice or bad advice that that stands out as you've been on these uh, on these paths? Tell us about that, Natasha. Definitely one of the pieces of advice that, that I've received that I, I really treasure is um, that uh, the importance of relationship building. So I think when you're in school, you hear a lot about the importance of networking, particularly in relation to job searching. And I think it's only natural that you start to, to draw the conclusion that it's a, it's a, a, a one-stop shop. You meet someone, you ask them for a job, and, and that's it. Um, but it, networking, at least when done well, is not like that. Networking is um, can, can often lead to a job in the end, but it's not something that you start off with, with that intent. Networking is something where you develop a real connection with someone, you develop a real, ideally, friendship with someone, and you develop mutual respect, you develop a trust in each other's abilities, 
And over time, naturally, that can lead to conversations about where you want to be, what you want to do, and perhaps um, how someone can help you out with that. But it is certainly not a one-way street. It's not something that can be achieved overnight. And it's it's something that requires a give and take from both sides. And, and on that note, I think, I think a lot of times people um, earlier on in their profession under underestimate how much they have to give. Um, but absolutely, um, whether you're just an associate starting out or, or you're in a nonprofit like myself, there's always insights that, that you can glean from your experiences that can help someone even more see much more senior in their career. So definitely um, don't don't understate that. Um, but also um, as a piece of advice to, to law students and younger professionals, Although I understand the need for a job immediately, um, definitely take that time to build connections, to get to know people, um, even, even if, if it, it, it might not seem um, worthwhile in the near term, it definitely, it pays off. It pays off not only in terms of, of helping you find a job, but it pays off by creating these wonderful people around you, um, which is a theme that I referenced earlier. And, and just having people in your life who support you, who you trust and, and trust you, that's invaluable. And that's something that will help you in your career and your personal life and, and just in your life in general. And sometimes when you least expect it, what I, one of the things I have so loved about your stories, because to me, they really uh, interweave and intersect both on the, on the sort of the official, the work side, the, you know, the place where you're employed and the, the path that you followed in the section is, is how important openness being willing to show up, being willing to say yes, being willing to dive in, being willing to take that opportunity, you know, being willing to, to um, ask for um, support. We met because you requested that a mentor be assigned to you as a, uh, as a new committee chair. And I have to tell you, my friend, I'm sometimes not sure who's mentoring whom, but it has been a, a wonderful thing to be your uh, colleague in the section and also to have become your friend. Um, so you got this, you got this, making your own path to leadership. I want you to imagine that there's someone, a law student, a, a lawyer, maybe someone who's been really good at their desk or now their dining table, but hasn't quite put their toe in the water with respect to taking on a little bit more, doing a little bit more, something like that. What would you say to that person? I think that's definitely a situation that I, I relate to very well. And I think um, going going back to, to what I said earlier about how um, a lot of times you'll underestimate yourself. A lot of times you'll be intimidated by situations. But I really think that uh, my, my approach to life has always been a, a yes approach um, within reason, of course, but but generally a yes approach. And I think that um, when you're younger, you you don't you don't have that um, that that wonderful privilege of being able to 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 look back and, and say, you know, that was a good decision or that wasn't. So I think that that without having having that ability to have hindsight, I think the best approach is just to jump in to take that risk and then to figure out the the pieces along the way and 
on on the the note that you just mentioned i think what definitely helps you figure out those pieces is by re reaching out to people when you need to and i think that um there's there's no shame in in needing um needing support and in needing advice and again i think it's a risk in some ways you're you're worried that you'll be rejected you're worried that people might uh, diminish your abilities and yes there is always a chance that that will happen but ultimately um you you learn from every experience and and the times that that happens, you just pick yourself up and you move on to the next person. And chances are that that if you talk to enough people, certainly within the ABA in particular, you're gonna find people who want to help you. You're gonna find people who are willing to go way farther than you ever would have imagined. And and it's gonna it's gonna pay off in more ways than one. So so I guess to summarize all of that, um, my one piece of advice would be to say yes and to take that risk. You know what? The bigger risk is sometimes not taking the chance, not taking the risk, right? Because then what you right. know for sure is whatever it is won't come your way or or or, or, or be part of your life. Um, it's a uh, it's too long a story to tell now. Maybe I'll tell it at our next uh, podcast. But a long, long time ago, I got some very good advice uh, in the context of, of all things, a college scholarship application. And it was this, they have to pick someone, it might as well be you. Um, Natasha, your story is inspirational. Uh, your energy is contagious, even on a podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Natasha, thank you, Business Law Section. Thank you for joining us for You Got This, Making Your Own Path to Leadership. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the ABA Business Law Section's podcast series, To the Extent That. The section offers a robust collection of content. To explore more about this topic or to learn about joining the section, visit ambar.org bizlaw. That's B-I-Z-L-A-W.